Moncrief on News Talk. Brought to you by Avant Money. Think you're getting the best value from your bank? Think again. In, in the meantime, uh, the, the person here to look through some stories from the weekend is Susan Daly, Managing Editor of Journal Media. Susan, good afternoon to you. Good afternoon, Are Sean. you well? I'm very well. I was just wondering maybe you hadn't been reverential enough about Queen Elizabeth being dead and, and it was just like, no, it's not enough. Cut you off. You know, maybe believe the Windsor can do that. You know, I've been kind of uh, trying to not mention the Queen or Garth Brooks oh. over the last couple of weeks, uh, and you're just about to, you, <laughs> you're just about to burst that bubble, uh, <laughs> unfortunately. But uh, we'd start off with TikTok, and there's been a kind of a study done as who's that are the most popular politicians on TikTok. That's right. I actually believe it's um, a friend of ours, Kieran O'Connell. Um, uh, O'Connor from the Institute of Strategic Dialogue and they're great on how the online world is working in social media and so on. We've worked with them ourselves in the journal and noteworthy about kind of far right hate campaigns. And, but mm. he, he took a very interesting look, I think, at um, politicians on social media, particularly on TikTok, which is not necessarily a platform that maybe um, you know, a lot of us maybe over 30, <laughs> over 30, I'm so generous <laughs> to myself. <laughs> about so much and um, you know, Simon Harris is top there with 91,000 followers and there's uh, Claire Daly she's in a 71 I think and then in in ever decreasing circles you have Michael Michael Healy Ray but no stranger to self-promotion to be fair um, Richard O'Donoghue oh, I think he's an independent in Limerick because uh, my mother knows him shout out to the ma'am okay. and Mick Wallace and they're all doing very well on TikTok and I think it's really interesting isn't it because you, first of all where the hell does Simon Harris get the time? Like, bear in mind his departmental brief is Minister for Further and Higher Education Research, Innovation and Science and whatever else you have in, in the education There's sphere. There. Yeah. There's a lot going on. But Simon Harris has always been, now he's 35, so he's not really a young one anymore would be my take on it. But he's always been quick out of the blocks on social media and so on. I remember when he joined Instagram, his, his followers shot up. You'd swear Barack Obama had come on for the second time. He really just, there was something about it everyone went on. I think half of that was political correspondence but anyway there's a lot of them in the country um, but he took off fairly quickly and actually had a look at his his last kind of round of things that he was putting out and he kind of puts out a lot of the similar stuff that he puts out on Instagram so there's a way on particular third party apps where you can post to a number of different platforms so if you're savvy enough you can be actually omnipresent on oh, a number of different platforms What does he put out? Well he put out things like um um, he was out for a walk so he was double jobbing like we all do we listen to the podcast when we're walking um, he was talking about his week ahead he posted I think a snapshot of his tweet about his Wordle score three out of six well done Simon but we all know it's down to look not skills or talent Absolutely. Um, a message to a lot of messages to Leaving Cert students about you know there's another way to education if you don't get the course you want because that's this time of year and then a photo of him at some sort of Limerick thing so if you think about it it is very PR focused. It's not mm. actually revolutionary in a way, but it is how social media, I think, has given the illusion, and I would call it an illusion, of being closer to people and institutions that previously you only got the official version of. But I mean, really, you're still getting the official version. They've just digitised it. They've made it native to the platform that they're on. Yeah, and they're kind of controlling the message even more than ever before because there's no intermediary. That's right, exactly. Now, they still would have people in the office who might post some of the stuff when they're out there. You're like, how is he posting that from the audience? It's a very flattering photograph. (laughs) Um, But what I'd really like to see is politicians getting on the Be Real app. Have you come across this? No. So this this is a French uh, company. It's a social media app. And I've only been learning about it myself to the younger people 
in my office and they were telling me that once a day you get a two minute window, you get a notification from the app and you post a photograph unfiltered and it can tell um, within two minutes of something live that you're doing. So basically gets your POV, your point of view. So say I'm here now and it went off. I'd be scrambling for the phone and I'd take a photo of you and it's like, oh God, she's on, she's in news talk, she's on the radio. Right. Tell her mother. And then it also in the top right hand corner takes a photo of you at that particular moment. So you can't, you could be in your PJs, you could be whatever. The idea being that it's I mean, it says it, be real app. I mean, saying that, I've heard people saying that they scramble around, they've two minutes and they basically have props always yeah, in their ready, pocket, to, go. ready yeah. to go, stick the lipstick on, whatever. But uh, I, I can't see that coming to a Michael Healy Ray anytime soon. Yeah. They, but it's not even it, it, like what's odd about this is that, it's, and, and uh, you did mention Mick Wallace and uh, mm. uh, um, is huge in it. Um, and, and obviously Clara Daly as well. Now, is that because like individual speeches they've given and they've yeah, got traction? Yeah. So Claire, Claire Daly, I think, had one of the uh, the, the most viewed um, speeches and it was uh, uh, in March talking about, you know, we, we're just, you know, she is anti-war. And, and you know, it was it, it very much speaks to on social media. It speaks to your followers because social media, you do attract a following that wants to hear what you say because it reflects what you think. Um, and say someone like Claire or somebody like Mick Wallace as well, you know, they might feel that they and their followers and people who support them may feel they don't get a good crack of the whip in officialdom. Um, you know, that the European Parliament doesn't want to hear the, what they have to say because they're not sticking to the agenda. And I put that in quote marks because that's mm. maybe how they would feel about it, um, that they don't get enough airtime, you know, because they're not in government or because what they're saying is unpalatable or whatever. And so what better way to get your point across than on social media? So it's a direct to the source. It also attracts and sort of people think, I think, that social media is allowing you to um, speak the truth. Do you know what I mean? And that somehow you're being silenced, which I always think is kind of funny because some of the people who claim the loudest to be the most silenced are the most prolific people that I literally can't get away from (laughs) on any sort of an airwave as well as social media. Um, So there is that element of it. But like it's it's a good place to start and say that this is a place for the voiceless. And it, it can be. It can be an amazingly powerful tool, but it can also be a place where conversations become very one sided. So, yes, I, I, I would be interested to see now what the crossover and that might be a follow up study for the guys in the ISD is uh, what the crossover might be between Fina Gale fo- followers or followers of Simon Harris and followers of Mick Wallace and see if there's any sort of Venn diagram, if there's anyone, mm. anyone there in the middle at all. I'd be interested to see does that, a, any of that translate into actual votes, though. That's right. And actually, if anyone works within uh, digital anyway, they just get, say to you, followers, forget about it. It's engagement you're looking for. Yeah. So that's yeah. the next step. Because, yeah, Claire Daly has 71,500 followers. That would get her elected uh, next time out. As long as they're all looking at her every day. Yeah. yeah. Uh, the Be Real app sounds like a security nightmare because anyone <laughs> viewing in real time would know they're not at home, uh, says Ivan. That's a good point. Actually. But you have two minutes to get around and rob the gaff, Ivan, you know, it's yeah. not too much time. The other thing I think about Be Real is that it's it's um, transitory, so it disappears, you know, so you... Oh, oh, oh right. here's the other thing, actually, I do know about Be Real. Cut, I might have to get on it now at this stage. Uh, you cannot see other people's Be Reels unless you have already shared your own. And you have to be in their friend circle. So actually, there is a bit of a security element built in there where you choose your followers or you allow people to follow you. And then in that two minutes, you have to do your thing. And then you see what others of your friends have put up. God, it's a lot of work. 
Yeah, it's, it's a big interchange, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> now, I know you're a massive royalist, obviously. So, yes, uh, uh, and you're dressed head to toe in black today. Um, <laughs> I look like I'm wearing a clown costume. Like for anyone who can't see this, it's a bright white shirt, but I've got um, mustard and is that a lilac? I don't know. It's kind of a block colour. Yeah, kind of a mustard colour. It is. Uh, Under what I can only describe as a a summer wedding blazer. Someone was in a hurry out this yes, morning, guys. Okay. It's only yes. radio. Yeah, the, I know. It, like, it is a big... I know this is like... This is nonsense. It's kind of, oh, now the car, the thing's going around the corner and all that kind of mm. stuff. Does it have any significance other than the kind of Kardashian-y soap opera element to it now? Look, I mean, we had the Queen's queue and there was another, oh my God, they're at it again moment this morning when they came to the final two in the queue and they were being interviewed, I can't remember by whom, and uh, the woman said, this is literally the best day of my life. It's better than the two times that I gave birth and name checked her children as well. So at least they have evidence for therapy. Um, but, it, you know, there's been all that kind of cracking on the last week. Mm. They, they cancelled Guinea Pig Awareness Week. Cyclists have been told not to cycle or do vigorous exercise at this particular <laughs> moment in time. You know, it's been that... I do think, look, I do think it's a news event. I think this is a very significant public figure who had a hand in many historical landmarks and the monarchy and the institution that she's the head of or was the head of um, had a huge influence on world geopolitical history. We know this. It's a colonial power, was a colonial power. I think I'm not really on the fence about the royal family. I, I'm on the fence about Elizabeth dying, I think, sad for her family, heard and I went, oh, that's the end of an era because there was never another queen as long as we were alive. Um, and she's kind of a constant among all these historical moments. But I feel that way about anything that's changing, you know, and that there's, you know, progress. But to hear things like, well, you know, when Elizabeth came in, it was, you know, you you it was illegal. It was a criminal offence to be homosexual. It was this and now X. And it's like, no, that literally means the woman just stayed alive while the rest of society moved Changed, on. Yes. And I, while I don't feel anything personal about her, and I certainly wouldn't have been one of these people celebrating, you know, death or whatever, I do feel on the other side, as an Irish person, the royal family can get in the sea as an institution. Like the royal family and the monarchy, I do not see what place that has in a democracy. And I do feel engaged with it. And I do feel like I'm entitled and we are entitled to have an opinion on it because that sort of setup, that entitlement um, that is absolutely unreasonable and inexplicable because it's a God-given hereditary right Mm. uh, was the kind of thing that led to... um, xenophobia, you know, in other people's countries, colonialism, you know, the rooting and pillaging of other people's resources, all in the name of this great empirical empire, you know, nation. And the fact the royal family are still there and it's inexplicable why, to me, is an admission by the UK that they still stand over how they ruled the world and how they came into power. Um, you know, I, it just doesn't make sense to me why anyone would think that, think affectionately of the institution unless you're from there. And you hear people in the UK and, you know, you see kind of, I suppose people just been interviewed on the street and, you know, they're saying just a golden age and, you know, it's past and great people and so on. But the golden age is built off the back of other people's misfortune. Uh, well, the, yeah. And it's like having pixies around a country or, or anything equally bizarre well, as that, pixie, really, the pi- whole idea. Extremely uh, malevolent your... robbing pixies, you yes. know, for quite a long time. <laughs> but Not at the same time, maybe, but at this, the same time, know, like all countries have national myths and all countries have to a certain degree magical thinking about themselves. But her uh, her death, Elizabeth's death, mm. 
makes it, it would seem to me, far more difficult to maintain that mirage anymore because she kept the step up her lip and she didn't say anything. Mm. Therefore, they were able to project their fantasies onto her. Yes. You can't on the rest of them because you know too much about them already. Well, Charles has already given out stink about leaky pens yeah. like with, with cameras around. So the fallibility and, and he's the a very shinner, human apparently nature as well. of them. <laughs> so, and, the, you know, the very yeah, human nature of it, which we also know from some of his siblings, is very much on display. Um, I think, though, that's why it's good to make sure we're having this conversation now. And if we feel strongly about it, say so. Because I do think we have a hand in it, you know, and it's it's got something to do with our country as well. And it's to have respect for people who do believe, say, in the North, we have people who are mourning this because they feel sure. very British. And this is part of their identity. So it's not to be disrespectful to people's feelings about it, but it is to take it as a moment in time and say, well, you know, ding dong. People are dead. Mm. Can we now look at what that represented where people just won't be you know, flinging off their veils and wigs on the green because somehow we're disrespecting an old woman. No, we really need to talk about that institution. It's absolutely outlandish. So, yeah, hopefully Charles will be the death of it. Uh, yeah. Well, I don't think he'll actually volunteer to do anything. But, uh, uh, you know, I, I just, yeah, I, I, I think also probably it's indicative just below the surface to an awful lot of British people is that's it now. We, ha- You know, we were hanging on to the, uh, the vapours from our greatness uh, such as it is uh, yeah, um, uh, and now it's completely gone. But I don't know, Sean, because I think if Charles just does this for a few years to give William a bit of a break and then William is manoeuvred into the place that's a different representation of the royal family that maybe people will get on board with. And again, we'll have a bit of a whitewash on it because it'll be, well, Kate and Wills are very progressive and are, they're of the people and these are the monarchs that we, we need now. So if that happens, I, I could see this carrying on for sure. Crikey. I don't feel good about it, though. Yeah. Anyway, from one queen to another, you were at Garth Brooks. <laughs> Who's the queen there? Me or Garth Brooks? <laughs> I think you know queen what I'm talking about. Yeah. I know. I was. Why did you go now? And Are you a fan of his music? Well, I am from Tipperary. And I, that's an explanation. Is <laughs> he from Tipperary? <laughs> no, but I mean, it was the soundtrack of my late teens. Um, okay. It was certainly on many a school bus. Um, I think what, what was the um, the first album that came out? No, whatever. No frontiers, no borders, whatever he was again. No fences, cheapers. Yeah, country woman should know what the difference is. Um, so I bought two tickets in some sort of pandemic-induced haze and I said I'm going to bring my Bezzy from home Gillian and we've known each other since we were four and it's just one of those sentimental things that's tied up. You know, like honestly if the soundtrack to our childhood had been uh, the Queen we would have been over in that queue as well, right? You know, that's the way people are when they get sentimental about Mm. things. So um, we decided we'd go and we did have a good time but I just find the whole thing really interesting because actually it was an interesting vibe around the crowd they actually were half laughing at him, I felt, and certainly a lot of the people around me. There's a lot of people from Monaghan and also the north of Ireland, like Northern Ireland there. There was two women from Derry in front of us and they were having great gas. But they were just like laughing at how much he was trying to make us all cry. He literally, I think, made himself cry on the last night again because he wasn't quite getting there. <laughs> um, you know, and we're there for the hits, you know, hmm. and actually I have to say there was nearly a mini riot because on the last night he didn't do uh, Ain't Going Down Till the Sun Comes Up. And everyone was like, are you kidding me? He's finishing with a rendition of American Pie. Are you, get out of here, don't come back, don't darken this door. Mm. But the Gart phenomenon is, there was very Tom Cruise jumping on Oprah's sofa atmosphere about him. He is frenetic. And he just really wants us to believe that he loves us a lot. But uh, it's very hard to buy.
I have to say the music was still there the hits are still there you know by any measure I'm not a big country fan actually Um, they're great blockbusting hits you know the the words it's great crack but um, it is about the money it's absolutely about the money and I don't mind that at all but when you're kind of using it to record your Netflix special and he did like a 15-20 minute homage to Queen where I think he kind of thinks he's Freddie Mercury's equal and like you could feel the momentum slipping in the crowd and everything so I'd be interested to see now if Garth would sell five if he came back again So you don't think the crowd were necessarily buying it? No, uh, it was, uh, the, the response, like, there was lots of, you know, and we all love being told Ireland's your great crowd, Dublin, mm. your great crowd, should we all join in? But I don't think we necessarily believed it. Um, it's almost, he was a bit too much because, yes, the Irish love to be told that they're brilliant and they're the best crowd, but they can also smell it a mile off, you know what I'm mm. talking about? Yeah. And they're just like, this guy's just been a bit too American about it all now. It was just too much. We're like, bring it down to 11 there, Gareth, you know? Um, so it would be very funny to see him come back. And also, yeah. I, one of our reporters, Carl Kinsler, went to see the early launch of this and he came back and he wrote a think piece about it on the journal. It was very funny. And he's like, one thing about it is he's always at pains to say how much he loved Ireland. But when he kept getting asked specific questions about Ireland, like, do you plan to go to <laughs> Kerry? Where do you like to eat? Literally couldn't say, like, had nothing. Like, he's like, I'm not sure actually if his investment in Ireland is really that personal at all so there's just a little flag of something else going on I know Manini he's quite good at not I did an interview on briefly yeah. a while, oh, a while okay. ago and he's quite good at not answering questions yes um, that, yeah. that you know it was. It, you could almost have written in advance what his answer would be to any question yeah so I was seduced to ask him would he rather fight a, <laughs> a, a, a man sized duck or a hundred duck sized men uh, what was his answer? He's he would go for the. I think he went for the. I can't remember now. I think he would go for the the the, the man sized duck. Um, I, be, I bet he gave loads of thought about it as well because this was another. Well, thing. it was just off. You know, it was the only off the cuff question I could get in there. So he, I, he I, that's the only one that threw him. I think he treats all. every single question with such uh, like like you don't have to think about it that much, Garth. It's like there's a complete lack of um, sort of proportion or something to him. I can't imagine going for a pint with him. You see, I think also he's played at, uh, he's played at loads of presidential inaugurations. I think he played for Trump. He's like, and he's played for Democrats and Republicans. And probably because he's probably had to steer a very neutral course with his career. And he's become very political about that kind of stuff. So there's Uh, nothing to offend anyone. Political even, even, you know. Yeah. Well, that's an interesting thing about it then, because that's where the lack of authenticity comes into it. You know what I mean? The man who stands behind everybody stands for nothing. Mm. God, I didn't realise it's going to get so deep. About yeah, Garth there you go. See, there's a lot. There's, to there's depths to Garth we hadn't uh, we hadn't really imagined. Let's tune back into the funeral. Let's tune quick. back into the funeral. <laughs> yeah, have you started um, uh, looking at the electricity bills yet? Or the, are you the asking heat? me if the heat's come on? Yeah. No, Sean. we haven't put it on. A, it's like wear a jumper. Uh, wear oh, yeah. a jumper till December. There was a little bit of a chill this morning. I, I nearly put it on. I was like, just put on your dressing gown and stop walking around like you're in the Bahamas. Um, so I didn't even put a dressing gown on. We haven't put the heat on, but you can feel it coming. And um, sure, that's the question everyone's been asking for quite a while. And it's a horrifying situation for people and, and consumers are just absolutely fed up and then we had the kick in the teeth. It fit, Now here's an interesting thing, it felt like a kick in the teeth didn't it on Friday to see how much yeah, the ESP profits, was making yeah. the profits. They'd gone from 128 million a year ago. Now I know it's a different situation and we have Ukraine as the big part to 390 million with, because you know that's the profit, mm. that's not even the revenues which are in the billions. Um, but when you are struggling to pay your bills and this isn't just the household consumers and we are worried about the vulnerable and there is hope that there will be packages in the budget to make sure that people just 
don't literally don't die of not yeah, being able to turn yeah. their heat on. But you've seen small businesses talking about the massive bills that they've had in, even in the last, you know, just literally from running their fridges, running their lights, so not even when the heat gets into the equation. Um, and the government did come out and the Taoiseach has said, well, what we're going to do with those profits is, you know, we are the dividend pay, like we're the shareholders as the state and, you know, the taxpayers are, will get the dividends and we'll somehow, you know, redistribute this in a package. But it all feels like it's kind of in response to people's outrage at seeing that and yet being told to tighten their belts. It's like mm. come side by side. So the messaging's really poor about it. Um, those packages are not going to be immediate. Meanwhile, people are struggling and making choices between not just like, oh, will I have private health insurance? Talking about food yeah. and heat. Eat or heat, or, yeah. You know, that kind of, eat and heat, exactly. Yeah. Eat or heat. Um, and then there was like a little piece in the Business Post yesterday about households to be offered financial rewards for shifting their energy use outside peak times. So it's like, don't we already do that? Like we heat our water overnight or, yeah, you know, but like yeah. I don't really know how that works out. And there's a little bit of a sort of we're all in this together which we see around the environmental stuff as well, where the individual actions and we should be. Um, and there are more to individual actions than what you do in your house. There's also about what you put pressure on the state to do. Um, and I think with the energy prices, that's very much where this is going as people are feeling like they're always going to be at the thin end of the wedge. And we understand people understand the global scale of it. Like, look, we're not idiots to don't keep telling us about Ukraine and gas and so on. But it's also this fear that other things are being shoved in. And I know that we're environmentalists worried about, um, you know, LPG plants and what was going to be brought in around that um, on the foot of, well, it's all about the prices at the moment. Yeah. So it just feels like another bad communication vibe, you know. Yeah. Lovely to have you in again, Susan. Thanks very much for uh, coming into us. That was a mixed bag of things, I, I, I must say. That was uh, Susan Daly there, uh, Managing Editor uh, of Journal Media. Uh, speaking of money, how much is in the cash machine? Moncrief. Brought to you by Avant Money. Think you're getting the best value from your bank? Think again. Weekdays at 2pm. On News Talk.